June the 7th, starting with Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25. There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. Psalm 125, verses 1 through 5, a song for pilgrims ascending to Jerusalem. Those who trust in the Lord are as secure as Mount Zion. They will not be defeated, but will endure forever. Just as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forever. The wicked will not rule the land of the godly, for then the godly might be tempted to do wrong. O Lord, do good to those who are good, whose hearts are in tune with you. But banish those who turn to crooked ways, O Lord. Take them away with those who do evil. May Israel have peace. Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 42. But there was a certain man named Ananias, who, with his wife, Sapphira, sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell, as you wished. And after selling it, the money was yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, was this the price you and your husband received for the land, for your land? Yes, she replied, that was the price. And Peter said, How could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door, and they will carry you out too. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. Then the young men came in and saw that she was dead. They carried her out and buried her beside her, her husband. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers were meeting regularly in the temple, in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. But no one else dared to join them, even though all the people had high regard for them. Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord, crowds of both men and women. As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. The high priest and his officials, who were Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. Then he told them, 
Go to the temple and give the people this message of life. So at daybreak, the apostles entered the temple, as they were told, and immediately began teaching. When the high priest and his officials arrived, they convened the high council, the full assembly of the elders of Israel. Then they sent for the apostles to be brought from the jail for trial. But when the temple guards went to the jail, the men were gone. So they returned to the council and reported, The jail was securely locked, with the guards standing outside. But when we opened the gates, no one was there. When the captain of the temple guard and the leading priest heard this, they were perplexed, wondering where it would all end. Then someone arrived with startling news. The men you put in jail are standing in the temple, teaching the people. The captain went with his temple guards and arrested the apostles, but without violence, for they were afraid the people would stone them. Then they brought the apostles before the high council, where the high priest confronted them. We gave you strict orders never again to teach in this man's name, he said. Instead, you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about him, and you want to make us responsible for his death. But Peter and the apostles replied, We must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on a tree. Then God put him in the place of honor at his right hand as prince and savior. He did this so the people of Israel would repent of their sins and be forgiven. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, who is given by God to those who obey him. When they heard this, the high council was furious and decided to kill them. But one member, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, who was an expert in religious law and respected by all the people, stood up and ordered that the men be sent outside the council chamber for a while. Then he said to his colleagues, Men of Israel, take care what you are planning to do to these men. Some time ago there was that fellow, Theodos, who pretended to be someone great. About four hundred others joined him, but he was killed and all his followers went their various ways. The whole movement came to nothing. After him, at the time of the census, there was Judas of Galilee. He got people to follow him, but he was killed too, and all his followers were scattered. So my advice is, leave these men alone. Let them go. If they are planning and doing things, these things merely on their own, it will soon be overthrown. But if it is from God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourselves fighting against God. The others accepted his advice. They called in the apostles and had them flogged. Then they ordered them never to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. And every day, in the temple, and from house to house, they continued to teach and preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1 through chapter 3, verse 2. As the time of King David's death approached, he gave this charge to his son Solomon. 
I'm going where everyone on earth must someday go. Take courage and be a man. Observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow all his ways. Keep the decrees, commands, regulations, and laws written in the law of Moses so that you will be successful in all you do and wherever you go. If you do this, then the Lord will keep the promise he made to me. He told me, if your descendants live as they should and follow me faithfully with all their heart and soul, one of them will always sit on the throne of Israel. As there is something and there is something else. You know what Joab's son of Zariah did to me when he murdered my two army commanders, Abner, son of Ner, and Amasa, son of Jether. He pretended that it was an act of war, but it was done in a time of peace, staining his belt and sandals with innocent blood. Do with him what you think is best, but don't let him grow old and go to his grave in peace. Be kind to the sons of Barzillai of Gilead. Make them permanent guests at your table. For they took care of me when I fled from your brother Absalom. And remember Shimeah, son of Gerah, the man from Bahurim and Benjamin. He cursed me with a terrible curse as I was fleeing to Mahanaim. When he came down to meet me at the Jordan River, I swore by the Lord that I would not kill him. But the oath does not make him innocent. You are a wise man, and you will know how to arrange a bloody death for him. When David died and was buried with his ancestors in the city of David, at that point, David had reigned over Israel for 40 years, seven of them in Hebron and 33 in Jerusalem. Solomon became king and sat on the throne of David his father, and his kingdom was firmly established. One day, Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith, came to, to see Bathsheba. Bathsheba, Solomon's mother. Have you come with peaceful intentions? She asked him. Yes, he said, I come in peace. In fact, I have a favor to ask of you. What is it? She asked. He replied, As you know, the kingdom was rightfully mine. All Israel wanted me to be the next king. But the tables were turned, and the kingdom went to my brother instead, for that is the way the Lord wanted it. So now, I have just one favor to ask of you. Please, don't turn me down. What is it? she asked. He replied, Speak to King Solomon on my behalf, for I know he will do anything you, re you request. Ask him to let me marry Abishag, the girl from Shunem. All right, Bathsheba replied. I will speak to the king for you. So Bathsheba went to King Solomon to speak on Adonijah's behalf. The king rose from his throne to meet her, and he bowed down before her. When he sat down on his throne again, the king ordered that a throne be brought for his mother, and she sat at his right hand. I have one small request to make of you, she said. I hope you won't turn me down. What is it, my mother? he asked. You know I won't refuse you. Then let your brother Adonijah marry Abishag, the girl from Shunem. She replied, How can you possibly ask me to give Abishag to Adonijah? King Solomon demanded. You might as well ask me to give him the kingdom. 
you know that he is my older brother, and that he has Abiathar the priest and Joab son of Zariah on his side. Then King Solomon made a vow before the Lord, May God strike me and even kill me if Adonijah has not sealed his fate with this request. The Lord has confirmed me and placed me on the throne of my father David. He has established my dynasty as he promised. So as surely as the Lord lives, Adonijah will die this very day. So King Solomon ordered Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, to execute him. And Adonijah was put to death. Then the king said to Abiathar the priest, Go back to your home in Anthoth. You deserve to die. I will not kill you now, because you carried the ark of the sovereign Lord for David, my father, and you shared all his hardships. So Solomon deposed Abiathar from his position as priest of the Lord, thereby fulfilling the prophecy the Lord had given at Shiloh concerning the descendants of Eli. Joab had not joined Absalom's earlier rebellion, but he had joined Adonijah's rebellion. So, when Joab heard about Adonijah's death, he ran to the sacred tent of the Lord and grabbed onto the horns of the altar. When this was reported to King Solomon, he sent Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, to execute him. Benaiah went to the sacred tent of the Lord and said to Joab, The king orders you to come out. But Joab answered, No, I will die here. So Benaiah returned to the king and told him what Joab had said. Do as he said, the king replied. Kill him there beside the altar and bury him. This will remove the guilt of Joab's senseless murders from me and from my father's family. The Lord will repay him for the murders of two men who are more righteous and better than he. For my father knew nothing about the deaths of Abner, son of Ner, commander of the army of Israel, and of Amasa of Jether, commander of the army of Judah. May their blood be on Joab and his descendants forever. And may the Lord grant peace forever to David, his descendants, his dynasty, and his throne. So Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, returned to the sacred tent and killed Joab, and he was buried at his home in the wilderness. Then the king appointed Benaiah to command the army in place of Joab, and he installed Zadok, the priest, to take the place of Abiathar. The king then sent for Shemaiah and told him, Build a house here in Jerusalem and live there, but don't stop outside the city to go anywhere else. On the day you so much as cross the Kidron Valley, you will surely die, and your blood will be on your own head. Shemaiah, Shemaiah, Shemaiah replied, your, your sentence is fair. I will do whatever my lord the king commands. So Shemai lived in Jerusalem for a long time. But three years later, two of Shemai's slaves ran away to King Achish, son of Maaka of Gath. When Shemai learned where they were, he saddled his donkey and went to Gath to search for them. When he found them, he brought them back to Jerusalem. Solomon heard that Shemai had left Jerusalem and had gone to Gath and returned. So the king sent for Shemai and demanded, Don't I make you swear by the Lord and warn you 
not to go anywhere else or you would surely die? And you replied, The sentence is fair. I will do as you say. Then why haven't you kept your oath to the Lord and obeyed my command? The king also said to Shammai, You certainly remember all the wicked things you did to my father, David. May the Lord now bring that evil on your own head. But may I, King Solomon, receive the Lord's blessings, and may one of David's descendants always sit on this throne in the presence of the Lord. Then, at the king's command, Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, took Shammai outside and killed him. So the kingdom was now firmly in Solomon's grip. Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and married one of his daughters. He brought her to live in the city of David until he could finish building his palace and the temple of the Lord and the wall around the city. At that time, the people of Israel sacrificed their offerings at local places of worship, for the temple honoring the name of the Lord had not yet been built. And that concludes the reading of the word for June the 7th.